we are uh, continuing our series within a series. We have been in a series through the book of Exodus, uh, working through it chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and we're slowing down a little bit in the Ten Commandments section, and we come now to Exodus 20, verse 12, which is uh, the fifth commandment, uh, which in God's providence is a fitting commandment for us to consider on this Mother's Day, and uh, I think you'll see why. We'll be considering the fifth commandment. Our text is Exodus 20, verse 12, but I'll read beginning in verse 1 to give us some context once again. So let's give attention now to God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Amen. This is God's word. May he bless it to our hearts this morning. And our text is verse 12, that fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. From the time that we are brought into this world, God places us under the authority of other people. And because of the fall and the effects of original sin, submission to authority does not come natural to us. I have yet to meet a parent who has not experienced the terrible twos. I've yet to meet a parent whose toddler at some point does not obsess over the word no. I remember when one of my children was uh, so into the word no that this child would sometimes ruin a good offer by saying no. You know, you know how it goes. Eat your vegetables. No. Eat your ham. No. How about a cookie? No. Uh, <laughs> you can see the wheels turning in their head, but you do that sort of as a dad, you know, just to kind of see what, what you can get them to say no to before you uh, correct them. Uh, but uh, this is just who we are by nature because of the fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve. Adam was the first son to say no to his father's instructions. He did not want God's law to rule him. He wanted to be a law unto himself and to cast off God's good authority. Even when he had the offer of the most blessed life set before him, he said no, only to realize afterwards the tragic mistake that he 
had made, not only for himself, but for all of his posterity, whom he represented in the covenant of works. And ever since then, all of humanity struggles with honoring authority and submitting to those in authority over us. And yet God's law calls us to this in the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is about honoring, honoring and submitting to God-ordained authority. And this is such an important commandment in the Old Testament that in the Old Testament under the theocracy in the Holy Land, a rebellious child who habitually refused to honor and submit to their parents' authority could be put to death. God took this very seriously. So breaking the fifth commandment is very serious to God. Even in the New Testament, Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3, but understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. How is the, the end of these last days characterized in all kinds of wickedness? In all these ways, including disobedience to parents. And so it's a very important that we grasp the weightiness of this commandment and what it means. And it's important that we see also how Christ came and fulfilled this commandment in order to redeem us from our sins and misery and our slavery to sin and to free us up by the Holy Spirit to live lives of gratitude who honor those in authority over us. And so we'll consider this commandment and the importance of honoring authority and we'll consider three questions here. First, what we'll consider what is the context of the fifth commandment. We'll set it in its original context in the Ten Commandments as well as in the Old Testament. And then what is God's will for us in the fifth commandment, especially today? And then how is the fifth commandment fulfilled in Christ? So first, what is the context of the fifth commandment? Well, to begin with, we see the context of the fifth commandment set within the Ten Commandments themselves. Jesus, uh, you remember, summarized the law of God when that lawyer sought to trap him and said, what's, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the second this is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so throughout church history, uh, theologians and Christians have seen that the Ten Commandments really connect with what Jesus said there in that they can be divided in two basic parts. The first four commandments are primarily about our duty to God, to love God. In the first four commandments, and then these uh, commandments five through ten are especially about our duty towards our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourself. And while we can distinguish these two things, and it's helpful to distinguish them, we can't totally separate them. You can't totally separate them. One can't say, one can't say, I love God if one hates his neighbor. You can't say that. You can't say, I love God. I have such a good relationship with God while hating your neighbor. Because the Bible says that love for God is obedience to His commandments. And God has commanded you to love your neighbor. So if you're not loving your neighbor, you're not obeying the command to love your neighbor, and you're not loving God because you're not obeying His commandments. These are intimately connected. And so in loving your neighbor, you are loving God. And love of neighbor starts in the home. The family is the foundation of society. This is why today the family is so attacked. 
by the devil and the wicked and has been throughout history because the family is the foundation of society. In the words of uh, one pastor, theologian, God intends the family to be our first hospital, first school, first government, first church. If we do not respect authority at home, we will not respect it anywhere. Charity really does begin at home. And this is why the fifth commandment comes first in the second table of the law. This is not a coincidence. This is not a mistake. This is not random that the fifth commandment comes first in the second table of the law, which is about love for neighbor. Because we first learn how to love our neighbor in the home, in the family. And the family is also foundational for teaching children how to love God. It's, you could think of the fifth commandment, it's like a hinge commandment. As it looks backwards and it looks forwards. It's vital for children to learn to love God and to learn to love neighbor, and they learn that first in the home. And parents have a great privilege and responsibility to be God's representatives on earth to their children. In the fifth commandment, there's a close connection between honoring one's parents and honoring God. How so? Well, we see this in that Israel is described as you remember from Exodus 4, as God's firstborn son. Israel as a nation was called God's firstborn son. God declared through the prophet Malachi, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. You see, Israel was to honor God as their heavenly father. And this father-son relationship that God had with Israel was to then be reflected in the relationship of Israel's parents and their children in the home. They were to honor their heavenly father by honoring their father and their mother. Now think about that word honor. What does it mean to honor? You know, I ask my children sometimes, what's the fifth commandment? And often the quickest answer they give is, when they're not really thinking about it too much, they just, obey your father and mother. But does the fifth commandment say, obey your father and mother? No. It says, honor your father and mother. Not that it doesn't include obedience, but honor is something more than mere obedience. What does it mean to honor? Well, the Hebrew word is kaved, which means heavy or weighty it's the same word that the old testament uses for the glory the kavod of god which speaks which speaks of the weightiness of god's divine majesty and so to honor one's parents is to give them due weight to their position to give them due weight to their position their office is to recognize their god-given authority and to honor them as gifts from God. And parents are indeed gifts from God. There's also a close analogy between the relationship of God as creator and man as creation. And the relationship of parents and their children. 
Adam was said to be the son of God in Luke 3. And Adam was totally dependent on God his father to give him life and to sustain his life. And so too, think about the fact that we in a sense owe our existence to our parents. They came together and made us. And our mothers carried us in their womb for nine months and it wasn't easy. Not that I know, but I'm, I, can, I can hardly imagine, but ask a mother, it's not easy. And then we came out of our moms, totally dependent on our mother for milk and sustenance. We needed our mom and dad to feed us, to clothe us, to change our dirty diapers, to bathe us, to teach us to walk, to teach us not to stick a, a, a pin in an electrical socket, not to touch a hot stove, not to run into the street how to feed ourselves, how to bathe ourselves, and the list could go on and on. We so easily take for granted the love and care of our parents and don't give them the honor that they deserve, the due weight that they deserve when we consider these things. Sadly, we do the same with God. But we are to honor God as our creator and provider, and parents are to be God's representatives on earth they procreated us and provide for us as parents, and, though we, though, and thus we owe them our gratitude. We owe them our honor. And they have authority, not in and of themselves, but from God Himself. And so we owe them honor and obedience. And so Israelite children were to honor and obey their parents. The commandment says, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You see, honor and obedience to parents is seen by God as honor and obedience to Him and results in blessing from Him. And if Israel would have obeyed God from the adults to the children, they would have experienced long life in the earthly promised land. And we know the sad story of how that went. They did not honor their fathers and mothers and others in authority. And the ones in authority time and time again abused their authority and were sinful in their rule. And so they did not honor the Lord their God and keep the fifth commandment. And so the curses of the covenant fell upon them and they were cast out of the land and sent into exile because of it. And that was to be a a picture of the exile that we all deserve because of our sins. That's to be a picture of the final judgment for those outside of Christ, as we'll see. Well, how are we doing today? How are we honoring authority today? What's God's will for us today in the fifth commandment? This is our second question. What's God's will for us in the fifth commandment? Our Heidelberg Catechism, question 104, asks God's will, or says this, God's will for us in the fifth commandment is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings. For by their hand, God wills to rule us. And so in the first place, notice who we are to honor. The commandment says we are to honor father and mother. It's not one or or the other. It's both. The commandment calls us to honor father and mother. And while Exodus 20 places the father first, Leviticus 19 reverses the order when it says, every one of you shall revere his mother. 
and his father. And so children, children, God commands you to honor your father and your mother, to revere your mother and your father, and to show love and faithfulness and obedience to them, to submit to both of them. And this means that you not only obey them, children, but that you honor them. You, you, in your obedience and submission to them, you, you do so out of uh, thinking about who they are in your life, that God has given them to you as a gift. They've given you life. They've preserved your life in so many ways. They've raised you. They've given you all kinds of good gifts. You're to honor them in your obedience. You're not to obey them while stomping your feet. You're not to just obey them merely by going through the external actions and, and grumbling and complaining about them in your heart and under your breath. You're to honor them. You're to give them the due weight that they deserve, that God has given them to you, and remembering all that they do for you. And so honor them as your parents in thought, word, and deed, and even with body language. And you're to honor them not simply because they feed you and give you good gifts or because they are stronger than you. You are to honor and obey your parents because God has placed them over you as parents. In the New Testament, we see this fifth commandment applied to the children in the church. As Ephesians 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Colossians 3 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Children, remember that. When your parents give you maybe some to ask you to do something that maybe you just don't want to do, honor them by looking to Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. This is pleasing to the Lord. And so remind yourself, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He saved me from my sins. And He has asked me to honor my parents. And so even though I might not like this, I love Jesus. And I want to honor Jesus in my life by honoring my parents and remembering that as well as you honor them. And when they sin against you, children, don't, and don't do a very good job as parents because children, no parent is perfect. We, are, we have sin in our life as well and we don't always do the best job that we ought to. But you're to be in those moments patient with them. Be patient with them since it is God's will to govern you by their hand. And trust me, children, some things that you don't understand right now that don't make any sense to you, when you get older, they're going to make sense. <laughs> you're gonna, that's like the light bulb's going to go on, especially when you have your own children. You're going to go, oh, I get it now. I'm, you know, all that my parents put up with with me. It's going to make sense. It doesn't make sense to you now, but when you get older, especially if you have kids of your own, it's going to make sense. You know, I, I understand. I was a toddler once. I was a 10-year-old. I was a teenager. There were times it didn't make any sense to me, but now as a parent, I get it. I get it. It's like how Mark Twain once was talking to some adults who used to not get along with their parents when they were teenagers, and now as adults, they get along great. And Twain jokingly said, you know, it's amazing how much your parents have matured in the last couple of years. And so children, trust your parents. They've got your goodwill. They, they, they love you and they care about you and they want what's best for you. 
But parents, this commandment is for you as well. Our children ultimately belong to God. We must remember that. They ultimately belong to God, and they are gifts to us, and we are to be good stewards of them and of the authority God has given us. We're to use it for His glory and, His, and, and, and our children's good, not for our own selfish reasons, not because we're lazy and we want to just bark orders at them and tell them to do this and that and the other when we just sit on the couch and look at our phone. No, we're to use the authority He's given us for His glory and the good of our children. This is why Paul follows things up in Ephesians 6 by saying, fathers, and I think mothers are included here as well, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so we as parents have to be careful not to be overbearing or to be unjust and inconsistent and unloving in our instruction and discipline, which can exacerbate children and provoke them to wrath. And we need to spend quality and quantity time with our children so that when we do correct them, we've got such traction with them. They know that we love them so much and care about them that they're willing to listen to us and obey us because they know how much we love them and care about them. We spent quality and quantity time with them. And so parents, you and I have the great privilege of loving our children as God the Father loves us and we are to imitate God the Father in how we treat our children. Isn't your heavenly Father patient with you even when you are bad at listening to His Word? How often do we as parents lament how bad listeners our children are, but how bad are we at listening to His Word? And He's patient with us. Let's be patient with our children. Hasn't He been generous to you in giving you His own Son for your sins? And so let's be generous towards our children in forgiving them. Isn't He a good listener to you when you pray? How often do we as parents are not good listeners to our children we just want to move on to other things? Isn't He present for you? Doesn't God provide for you and forgive you? Parents, let us model the Father's love towards our children. And let us also model to our children what it looks like to honor and submit to authority. I can't stress how much how important this is as well, parents, that we model for our children what Christ-like honoring of authority looks like to them. Parents, if you grumble and complain about authority all the time in front of your children, whether it's your boss, the prime minister or premier or your pastor or your elders, and if you always resist authority in front of your children and demonstrate to them time and time again that you only honor and submit to yourself as prime minister, boss, and elder, then you should not be surprised when your own children don't honor and submit to you. We must honor authority in front of our children. Show them what Christ's like honor and respect for authority looks like in submission. They're looking at us. They're learning from us. They learn by example, especially. And so think about it. When they're dishonoring, disrespectful, unsubmissive, think about it. Where might they have learned that from? We have to demonstrate to our children what Christ-like honor and submission looks like. But besides applying 
to children who are still in the home, the fifth commandment applies uh, to all of us as God's people. Even though we may be on our own now and no longer under our parents' authority in their home, if our parents are still alive, we are still called to show honor and love to our fathers and mothers and to respect them. Right? Even though we're not under the authority of our, our mom and dad in their home anymore, maybe we've moved out, we've formed our own family now, or even we're an adult, we've moved out, we're on our own, uh, the nature of the relationship changes slightly, right? And yet we can still show honor and love to them. And when we look at the, the Bible, what we see is this, what this especially looks like for us is that we honor our parents in their old age by providing for them, by continuing to respect them and love them in their old age. We know how it goes, right? We come into this world needy and, and dependent and, and we need lots of help. And as parents, we do that for our children, but then the role reverses, right? When we get old, we need that and then we need them to look after us, to Maybe help us with our finances. Maybe help us not to get scammed by scammers, which is so common today, right? To make sure our health is doing well. To maybe fix up something in our house. We're to honor our parents, especially by providing for them and caring for them in their old age. In Mark 7, Jesus railed against the Pharisees who would not provide for their parents in their old age, saying that what they, you know, the Pharisees thought they found a loophole in the law and by what they should have given to their parents, they said, is korban, it's devoted to God. And so I'm not going to give it to my parents. I'm not going to give my parents the, 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 the money they need to, to live and survive. And Jesus says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And so you see, they, they used their own tradition in a wicked way to try to get out of providing for their parents and honoring them in old age. And Paul says in 1 Timothy 5 that if a, a widow has children and grandchildren, that they should be the first ones to take care of her. And he says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's worse than an unbeliever to not have this kind of love and concern and honor for our parents in their old age. And so even though we may have moved out of the house and we're not under their authority in the same exact way as when we were children, we still are called to honor our father and mother by providing for them in their old age. We can't just ignore them and abandon them as so many people do today. It's such a sad thing, isn't it, when you see fathers and mothers in convalescent homes, retirement homes, and there's no children to visit them or take care of them. They're all on their own. And even before they are that old, we can honor them by by staying in touch with them when we move away from them, giving them phone calls, sending them cards, speaking well of them, listening to their advice even when we may not agree with it. And if we disagree, we can still show them honor and respect in the way that we disagree with them. So you see, this commandment, we don't just move out of the house, well, this commandment doesn't apply to me anymore with my parents. And we still should show honor in these ways to our parents. But the fifth commandment has a much broader application than merely the relationship between parents and children. And we see that when we especially see the rest of the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that at the heart of this commandment is the call to honor and submit to all who are in authority over us. 
And the reason why we are to honor and submit to them is God has given them this authority. And He commands us to submit to them. It's by their hand that He wills to rule us. And so in Ephesians 5-6, to for example, Paul mentions other relationships that involve honoring and submitting to authority. He exhorts wives to uh, submit to their husbands as to the Lord. For the husband, he says, is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he exhorts slaves in those days, but today we might say employees to obey their earthly masters or their bosses today as to the Lord. But this doesn't leave those in authority off the hook as if they are a law unto themselves and can just do whatever they want. One of the things unique about the New Testament is that this is a time when these instructions were very common. They were called a household code where often there was things in society written about how inferiors need to obey and submit to their superiors without any instructions for the superiors. But the Bible's different. Paul also gives instructions for the superiors. And so he says to husbands, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of His body. Let each one of you love his wife as himself. And so he, he speaks to the husbands as well. Look, you may be the head, but you are not to use that for your own selfish purposes. You're to look to Christ and use that authority in a Christ-like, loving way for the good of your wife. Christ, lay down His life for His bride. You must do the same for your wife. And He speaks to the fathers and mothers. He doesn't just say, children, do what your parents say, and that's it. He says, as we already heard, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And He says to the, the masters or the employees, the employers rather, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening knowing that He who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality with Him. So masters, don't just abuse your authority. And so we need to reflect upon this in our various roles. We all are under somebody's authority and we need to think about are we submitting and honoring authority in a Christ-like way? And if we have authority, are we using that as well in a Christ-like way? Christ is always the one we look to. Because if you think about it, look, think about who Christ is. He is true God. He is God the Son. He is equal with God the Father. And yet, He did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped at. And He came into this world and He submitted to His heavenly Father to save us from our sins. In, our, in the plan of redemption, he submitted. And so if you want to know what submission to authority looks like, look to Christ. And if you want to know what using your authority in a Christ-like way looks like, look to Christ as well because he uses it as the head of the church to lay down his life, to serve his people in love. Christ is always our example and our Savior. We see elsewhere in Scripture that God has given authority to pastors and elders in the church. For example, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Hebrews 13 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, 
for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so you all seem to ask yourself this day, how are you doing at honoring the pastors and elders of the church? Are you honoring them? Are you submitting to them? They're God-ordained authority in your life. It is God's will to shepherd us through them. And please pray for us and bear patiently with us in our sins and weaknesses. Our sincere desire is to lead Christ's sheep in a Christ-like way, according to His Word. We're also called to show honor and submission to those in authority in our government. Romans 13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. He is a servant of God. 1 Peter 2 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Fear God. Honor the emperor. You know, the emperor wasn't a good, nice guy when he wrote that. Nero was not a good guy. And yet we are called to honor the emperor. Is it honoring our God-given government authorities when we bash them like we do so often today on social media? We ought rather to be praying for them. Praying for them. This is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 2. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. You see, we're to intercede for them and even give thanks to God for them, he says. That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. It's not good when you bash them. It's not good when you dishonor them in those ways. doesn't mean you can't disagree with them and strive to change the laws, strive to get them out of office and get a new person in office. But we still must honor them. Paul says in Titus 3 that our thankfulness for God's grace in Christ were to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and this always gets me, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Perfect courtesy toward all people. How's your courtesy toward all people these days? Especially, how's your courtesy towards those who are in authority over you? Whether it be your mom or your dad, or it be your pastor or elders, or it be your government authorities, or your teachers at school, or your bosses in the workplace. John Calvin once said, Father and mothers, magistrates, and all who exercise authority are lieutenants of God and represent Him. He adds, the fifth commandment is a frontal assault on our pride, for we are by nature bent to demand honor from all, but give it to none, for we think of ourselves as lords. And isn't that the case? How often when we hear a sermon like this, we start to bristle. Our defenses go, yeah, but, but, you don't understand my boss and what a doofus he is or she is, and the dumb decisions they make, and how they are, or you don't understand how foolish my husband is, or you don't understand how unfair my parents are. And so we ask, aren't there any exceptions? Aren't there any exceptions to submission? Well, yes, there is. But the Bible calls us to submit to authority even if we don't agree with the decision. As I like to say, uh, if you only submit when you agree, that's not called submission, that's called agreeing. Submission is tested, or we're tested when we're called to submit to something we don't agree with. 
Now, this doesn't mean that you submit to everything and everything that somebody tells you to do that's in authority over you. We want to be careful here as well to say that if somebody in authority tells you to sin, is seeking to compel you to sin, you don't do it. Children, if your parents tell you to lie or... Um, Wives, if, if your husband tells you uh, that you can't pray or tells you to cheat on your taxes, you should not submit to him. Or if the government seeks to compel us to sin, like when the Roman government was trying to compel Christians at this time to confess that Caesar is Lord, they were to disobey. But you respectfully disobey because they're still in a position of authority. You show them respect and honor, but you must honor God above all authority. And they cannot compel you uh, to sin. Furthermore, we don't need to submit if we're being abused. Some people in power sadly use this principle in a wicked way today to try to keep people under their oppression in an abusive relationship. If someone is being abused by someone in authority, they can and should appeal to other God-given authorities in society and in the church to intervene. For example, a wife that is being abused by her husband should call the cops and tell the elders of the church. God can and does remove a person's authority when they've so abused it in such heinous ways. And He ordinarily does it through the God-given authorities. And if a government authority is abusing their power, we can appeal to, their, to either the governing authority over them or to the lesser magistrate to use their authority to advocate for us. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, we have to entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly in the end and says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Beloved, be assured that Christ will come again one day and right every wrong, every person in authority will answer to the King of kings and Lord of lords when he returns. In the meantime, we're to strive as much as possible by God's grace to show honor, love, and faithfulness to our father and mother and all those in authority over us, submit ourselves with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline and also to be patient with their failings. For by their hand, God wills to rule us. Well, as we reflect on these things, we all must confess we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So thanks be to God that that's not the end of the story for us. Even though we deserve God's just punishment, we know that there's good news for us in Christ. And think about then how Christ fulfills this commandment for us to redeem us from all of our sins and misery. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons, the Bible says. And think about how Christ fulfills this commandment. He came into this world and He perfectly honored His heavenly Father, always submitting to His Father, his will, when he was baptized, the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He, he listens to me. I don't have to tell him twice. He listens to me and obeys me promptly and sincerely. I don't have to count to 10. I don't have to give him warning after warning after warning. He loves me. He submits to me. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And think about how Jesus, the perfectly sinless one, submitted to his own sinful parents. When he was in the synagogue as a boy, it says in Luke 4. No doubt, honoring his father, being in the heavenly father, being in the synagogue, honoring those in authority in the synagogue. When his parents lost him for a time, you remember that? And they're frantic, where is Jesus? They find him. And it says, 
He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And it says he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. Think about that. Jesus submitted to his parents, the sinless one, to his sinful parents. Furthermore, he went all the way to the cross. He prayed, not my will, but your will be done, O Father. And on the cross, he submitted to his Father's will, ultimately out of love for the Father and out of love for you and me. And there's this amazing, beautiful scene as Jesus is dying on the cross where he honors his own mother as he's on the cross. Do you remember that? In John 19, it says, when Jesus saw his mother, this says he's hanging on the cross, he saw his mother and the disciples whom he, disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. You see, Jesus was concerned for his mother even as he's dying on the cross. That she would be taken care of in his absence. What a wonderful Savior we have. Paul says in Philippians 2, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And on the cross, he bore the curse of the law in our place suffering this, the wrath of God that we deserved, and God raised Him from the dead. He's your only hope of salvation. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Otherwise, the wrath of God remains on you. But if you trust in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of all your sins in Him once and for all. And God adopts you as His own beloved child. And even though father and mother may forsake you, the Lord our God will never leave you nor forsake you. But He has called you His beloved child. And He has given you the gift of eternal life and the inheritance of the glories of the age to come. And so come to Jesus. Trust in Him alone for salvation. And now, being filled by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, live out this commandment in gratitude. Honor your father and your mother and all those in authority over you. You have the Holy Spirit in your life. And so walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You for your word to us today, we thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus, that he is the perfect child, that he is the one who took our place in his perfect obedience, his death on the cross, and that he is now raised from the dead and reigning at your right hand as our great high priest and king, and that he's coming again to right every wrong and wipe away all tears from our eyes and bring us into the glories of the age to come. Father, we thank you that he saves us from all our sins and misery, and by your Holy Spirit, help us to honor you in our life and magnify Christ in our life in thankfulness by honoring our parents and by honoring all those in authority over us. May we be a light in this world in these dark times, a light for Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in him and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we always be ready to share our hope in him with others when they ask us. We pray, Lord Jesus, quickly come. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.